0: Well, good evening'm um, just going to give the parents a moment to take the kids through to kids' church and um, as they do that let 's as Carl said let 's continue to focus on the Lord um, for those of you who don 't know who I am my name's adam i 'm um, the dad of the guy who normally plays drums um, and um, We've been around a while, my my wife's the one wearing sunglasses over there next to Pam. Um, We are still working on getting these blinds fixed. (laughs) Um, Cool. And um, yeah, I'd love to talk tonight about love one another. That's kind of the, the, you know, the Bible says the greatest of these is love. And and there's a real sense uh, lately, a lot of different things that have been said by a a lot of different people. Um, But there's been a focus in on loving one another, loving well, um, loving God, but also loving people. And so I want to take a look at that tonight. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it's a verse often read at weddings. Um, It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I live in a house with a drummer and um, we get a lot of noisy gong. And it does come a point that sometimes we just go, you know, bro, it's Sunday. Just stop. <laughs> or come on, it's, it's after nine o'clock, you know, at night. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> um, there's there's nothing really great about a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. Um, and there's nothing really great about someone who's a fantastic Christian but doesn't love anyone. Um, and, and that's really where Paul is going here. He's saying that there's something that, that Paul values above even spiritual gifts, like speaking with the tongues of angels and, and men. He goes through a whole list of things that a person can do, and if they have not love, it counts for nothing. And the list includes some spectacular things, that God might move in us to do. Things like, you know, martyrdom. Who's, who's keen for that one? Uh, he says, I can give my body to the flames to be burned, but if I haven't got love, it counts for nothing. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, I remember growing up in Fox's Book of Martyrs and different storybooks about the, uh, the Christians who had fought for uh, the right to print the Bible and Tyndale and other guys like this. Many of these stories end with someone tied to a stake being set alight in the market square. It's possible to be that guy. And if you don't have love, it counts for nothing. That is hectic. And and one of the things I've really realized over this last season myself is that it's possible to be that guy much easier than you think. Uh, that you can you can do all the right stuff. You can do good things well, and still not be doing the right thing. Um, and so it's important for us to really focus on what is the right thing. What is the thing God has for us? There's John. He he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, so he certainly he was not lacking in confidence. Um, he he taught a lot on love. He he wrote his gospel, and there's a lot in his gospel about love. And then he wrote three. Uh, letters as well, and and they focus in on love. 1 John 4, um, 19-21 says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, this is strong language because, you know, I would say, you know, maybe it's possible to be a Christian and, and not get on with everyone. He's saying, if you can't love the brother you see, you cannot love God. So regardless of what you think you're doing, you're not. You go, really? That's harsh. No, but I love God. Really? Do you love people? And so this is the challenge for us. And this isn't a heavy. This is just one of those things where God goes, this is how it's done. You know, at the end of the day, if you want to love God, love someone. It's too easy to love God. People all over the world love God. And they do crazy things for him, like killing people shooting people, blowing up places, because they love God so much. But actually what the Bible teaches us is the way we prove that we love God is by loving that other person. i not going to blow someplace up to prove I love God, no. Rather, I build someone up to show that I love God. But there's something about the love of God that is immensely practical in our everyday lives and is, is radically Counterintuitive when it comes to much of the religion we see in the world around us. Loving one another for John is the evidence that we love God. If we don't love each other, we just don't love God, period. Now, that's one of those things where you go, okay, is there a sliding scale? Is it a spectrum? Because <laughs> there's this is one guy. <laughs> you know, I love most people, but there's this is one guy. It's like, okay, well, John also says, you know, I write these things so you don't sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate before the Father. So just repent, you know, get over it, move on. Uh, so you don't, have to, you don't have to beat yourself up about this stuff. This is just where God's pointing us. He's going, this is the way, walk in it. Uh, it's that voice behind us saying, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right. Do this, go in this direction. Where did the disciples and the apostles get these ideas from? Well, of course, they got them from Jesus. Jesus was the one who taught us the importance of love. And he's the one who taught us to live with eternity in mind. And so when we're thinking about our things I do today, I need to be thinking about the eternal consequence of those things. Like, What's it going to mean when I actually get to the end of my life? And then how much of my life do I want God not to look at? (laughs) you know like that's because i know for me there's a lot and i thank god that he gave jesus and jesus blood can make me clean of those things but they still happened you know and i want to get to the end and go god thank you for jesus (laughs) but i also obey your commands in these things that, that are so fundamental, that I did obey the commands. You know, you don't want to be those who Jesus talks about. Some getting in, or it might be in Paul, smelling of smoke. It's almost like you know they that didn't ha- Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown in the fire, bound, the ropes got burnt off them, and they came out not even smelling of smoke. But God says there's going to be some in heaven who smell a bit like they're in the. Okay, you came through the bri on the way here. And the reason is that everything they did is going to be burnt up. They're going to have nothing left to show. That's, that's wild. You say, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be in the smoking section of heaven. I want to be right at the front smelling fresh, you know. Um, that is the desire, you know. Um, but it is very easy to have wrong ideas about where we're, what we're aiming at in terms of eternity, in terms of, I know that the things I do now are going to impact on eternity, so let me do awesome things. And immediately I'm off track. Immediately I'm off track. If you know I'm saying, so let me do awesome things, because Jesus spoke about this. He, he gave a couple of illustrations of times the guys were going to come to him at the end of the world. And the end of the world is a real thing. You know, it's coming, it's, it's there. We don't know when, we don't know, we know where, here. (laughs) It's like the world. It'll happen on the world. We'll be there or not, but those who are dead will be raised. Everyone's going to be judged. We're going to stand in front of God and he will ask questions. He will scrutinize us. And yes, we had the blood of Jesus. But we want something that pleases him. We want to live lives that please him. And so when he talks about some of those on that day, Matthew seven, he talks about on one of these occasions. He says, um, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, this is one of those things, you know, it might be that you were once in a meeting or a school assembly and someone said, Who wants to give their life to Jesus? And you say, I will, you put your hand up, Lord, Lord. You know, that's me. I'm a Christian now. But did you do the will of the Father who sent Jesus? You know, there's, there's a practical outworking to our faith. Yeah, we give our life to Jesus, but there's a reason we give it, because he's got stuff for us to do. The Bible says we're his workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus that he prepared beforehand for us to do, for us to walk in. And so there's actually something he wants you for. He's not a stamp collector. I don't know about you. Growing up, we I I collected stamps, you know, because I'm exciting. And um, so <laughs> my dad had a Penny Black. Well, I mean, a Penny Black is the first stamp ever made. It had featured the face of Queen Victoria. Um, his one wasn't very expensive because it was slightly um damaged, and so he got it cheap. Um, but you know, he he had the collection, and so we all thought, well, that's what you do with your life, you know, you collect stamps. And but, but what's the purpose? I mean, the stamps already done the sending a letter bit, this is now a redundant thing. God is not a stamp collector. He doesn't want to add you to his collection as a redundant thing. We're his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus that he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And so when we come to Jesus, it's not because he's just collecting redundant objects. Like my mom had these little pots with little uh, crests and, and the words from... like So every town they visited all around the British Isles, you know, you've got these little... They're like little china pots. Absolute nightmare if you're trying to play football indoors. Yeah! They had to revisit quite a few towns. <laughs> Sadly. Sorry, Mum. Uh, you know, absolute nightmare uh, for the boys living in the house. But these little pots, redundant items, they're just collecting dust and, and stopping our fun. That's not what God's doing, okay? He's not a spoon collector, pot collector, stamp collector. He has something for us to walk in. He has something awesome for us to do, but not awesome in the way that we might imagine. He says, Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Awesome thing to do. Cast out demons in your name? Awesome thing to do. And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Whoa, surprise ending. So here's this moment, this guy turns up and he's like, Prophecy, check. Check. You know, like casting out demons? Check. (laughs) Awesome. I'm doing well so far. Many mighty works? Check. And Jesus is like, sorry, who are you? What's your name? No, you're not on the list. I don't know who you are. That that, that verse used to terrify me. The only reason why it doesn't terrify me now is because I'm busy preaching. It'll still terrify me tomorrow. (laughs) It's a terrifying thought that we could get everything right in terms of the facade, in terms of the look of the thing. I can look like a really awesome Christian. I can prophesy. Now, we want people to prophesy. We have the microphone set up each week so guys can come with words and whatever the Lord's bringing. We want all the demons cast out, like all of them. We want that. And whatever many mighty works is, sounds good too. Let's do it. But these guys, Jesus didn't even know who they were. So they turn up, having done all that in his name... Says, sorry, don't know who you are. And that might be confusing to us. But like Wesley said earlier, he said, you know, there's there's our way and there's God's way. And sometimes we can read the Bible and just pick things to do. Doesn't mean it's what God has us doing. It doesn't mean that we're following him. I can read the Bible and pick a hundred things to do. I could start a church where I just pick random verses every week and set it as some kind of mandate for everyone put a lot of law on people put a lot of burden on people but there's certain things that Christ did require of us and we're going to see what that is so we've got these people that they're calling Jesus lord but he doesn't know who they are and and so that makes us a little insecure because then we go but how do I know if I know him because I thought I knew him so how do I know that I know him? I know him and um, thankfully, the Bible does give us an answer to that. 1 John 2.3 um, says, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Now, what was the great commandment that Jesus talked about? He talked about two commandments, but there was one that he said was a new commandment. So when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment in the law? He says, well, love the Lord with all your heart, you know, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. He said, but there's a second that's like it. Actually, there wasn't at that point. It hadn't really been given in that way. But he says, a new commandment I give you. And so there was a sense of it in the law of the Old Testament, but there was a reality of it that Jesus brought and actually made it, formulated it as a commandment for us. And in John 13:34, he said, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So we know that we know God if we keep his commandments. And the commandment he's given us is to love one another. And so that's the confidence we can have and John writes about this in his first letter. He's like, this is the confidence we have before God is, is that we can know that we know him, that we can know that we're in him when we look at our own lives and see his love flowing through us to other people around us. And so this isn't some sort of peace, love and happiness, hippie commune vibes. Um, although, you know, not saying there's anything wrong with that. Um, just that, that it would be, you know, righteousness and, and peace and joy. Uh, but that there would be a practical loving of my neighbour, and that's my expression of love for God. That as much as worship, and and I, I'm sure there, there'd be a whole different swathe of views, like how about worship tonight? Like how, how how did that gel for me? Like you know, so am I more like well they could have added a few songs yeah, that would have been helpful, or is it like oh more of that, more of that, or or you know it's a, it's a sliding scale, isn't it, on some of these things and. And to what degree am I expressing my love for God when I worship him? Well, I'm, I'm saying everything that I believe. But then I've got to do that thing. Uh, as a wonderful guy in the UK uh, served with years ago, he used to say um, that Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. <laughs> Every time you sing, I love you, Lord, you have to ask yourself who you love that week. Because the Bible says the only way you know you love him is that you loved someone. So when you sing it, ask yourself, did I live it? Did I do it? Don't stop singing it. Just make sure you're doing it. Both. You know, it's, it's both and. And so, and so that's the thing. So let's look at another end of the world passage, Matthew 24. Jesus tells a, a different story about the end of the world. And it is slightly different in terms of the setup. And so we understand from this that he's not giving us the whole picture. He's giving us hints of what it's going to be like. And this story is a bit different to the other story, but they're both true and they're both from Jesus. So Matthew 24, starting in verse 31. Verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes, and this is Jesus talking, in in my Bible it's red. (laughs) When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on the left, I don't know if we're catching up there still, um, depart from me you cursed. And I'll skip forward. As you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So now, is this a gospel of works? Is this saying that actually in order to reach heaven, in order to get into heaven, there are certain things we have to do? No, all Jesus was saying was love God And love one another. That's the great command. We get saved by acknowledging that he's our Lord. But if he's our Lord, we'll do what he says. And so even him being our Lord is something that's practically outworked and evidenced in our lives. If I say Jesus is Lord, he says, show me. And that's reasonable. I mean, you know, if you're in the army... And you'd signed up for the army, and I thank God I never did, and I didn't have to. I was born way after military service in the UK. Even my dad didn't do it, so like it was a long, not like here. Never did that. But if I'd signed up for the army, and so I'd join. And so the first thing, they'd take me into that hut to shave my hair. And i go, no, nah, I'm good, actually. I like it like this. But you've joined the army. Yeah, no, I have. In my heart, I really am part of this army. But I just really feel like, for the look I'm going for, that cut's not going to work. Um. And say they allow that, and they take me through to the next place, and they fit me out with these fatigues. Do you you have something with a slightly wider leg? Because these are just a little toit. I I prefer just, you know, I want to be, you know, I I like something that doesn't feel quite so restrictive when I'm moving, particularly if I'm going to be running under cargo nets and stuff, you know. Just something with a bit more stretch in it, maybe. And they're looking at me like, did you join the army? Or did you, like, what? And then we get to the mess hall, and it's the first meal, and they put something on my plate, and I'm just like, is this vegan? (laughs) Because I'm a vegan, and it needs to be gluten-free. Now, (laughs) sorry, was that crossing a line there? Um, You see, if we say, you're my Lord, that comes with certain implications. Just like if I sign up to the army, I actually have given my life to them. I've given my life away. And so this is the thing. I actually have to live up to the thing I'm saying. And here, what he's saying is, when I was sick, you visited me. That's super practical. So if you know someone in your community, if they got COVID, you're probably not meant to. But if it's not COVID, <laughs> visit them. Take them grapes or chicken soup or whatever the thing is that... People want when they're sick, you know? Um, I was hungry. You gave me food. Now, we do this through the church. Like, we collect the pantry, and we have the pantry box. But sometimes it's easy to go, well, I dropped off a tin of beans this month, so I'm good. That's discharged my duty to the world, you know? And anyone who's been on the pantry will tell you they don't even like beans anymore. (laughs) Like, they're so over beans, But, you know, it could be that there's someone you're aware of. And, yeah, the church can do the organized thing, but maybe you could love them. Maybe you could go to them with a bag of groceries. People have done that to us at different times, not necessarily because we were stony broke, but just because they felt to bless us. And it's amazing. And when I had the COVID bad back in April last year, and um, our friends who live in New Zealand heard that we were manned down and isolating, and Checkers 60 turned up at the door. Because they could still do it from their phone, you know. Now, how cool is that? How loving is that? Nothing in those bags was good for you. And that is really loving. That's like, you know, Tim Tams and all sorts of cool stuff. And it's just like, yeah, that's the love of God. You know? That's the standard on which the love of God is measured. is can you drink your coffee through it like a straw? Okay, I was sick, I was in prison, and you came to me. Remember, at this time, there were guys who were going to be in prison, not because they were hooligans, but because of the gospel. And you turning up to visit that guy was going to put a mark on your back. So you're going to visit him when he's in prison? He's given everything for the kingdom of God. He's given everything for the gospel. He's now rotting in a cell, awaiting execution. Are you going to visit him? Are you going to associate with him? The unclean one, the unwanted one, the one who's been a problem in society and is going to be dealt with. Are you going to associate with him or are you going to keep yourself clean and away from him? I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. Who knows it's really easy to be friends with people you're friends with. I mean, it's like that's, that's kind of goes without saying, but but Jesus felt it needed to be said, said, and um, it was either Jesus or Paul. One of them says, um, I think it was Jesus though. Like, and don't just say, "I love the people I love," you know, because even sinners do that. You know, rather love a stranger, because that actually proves you're really loving someone. If I say, no, I'm going to love people this week, and I think I love my wife, and I love my kids. <laughs> Done. Tick. No, 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 I'm meant to do that anyway. Now, I mean, hopefully I do do that. They'll let you know if I don't. But um, <laughs> but on, on top of that, who else did I love? Who, who else did I, I, I spend time with? And one of the other ways we love people is by confessing our sin to them. So so James talks about this. Um, James 5.16, he says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light, in other words, transparently, being vulnerable and sharing our life, um, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. One of the things that I discovered in this last season um, is I've known, I've known Brett like years and years. We go way back. Like, I arrived in this country about 2003. At that time, he was the youth pastor down at the Baptist. I was doing youth pastoring here in Edgemead, and we kind of had a youth pastor's hangout. So I got to know him really early in those days, and, and I've known him ever since. Served on his eldership team in Sunningdale before we were planted out here, and then served on his eldership team here as well. But in the last 18 months, i would probably gotten to know him better than I'd ever known him ever. And the reason is that I was in a season where I was being very, very much more transparent about what was going on inside me. I confessed sin. I talked about my brokenness. I told him what was going on in therapy when I was talking to the therapist or my probation officer, as I called her. And... Um, you know, like, walking this journey of being broken and acknowledging brokenness, acknowledging sin in my life, and actually walking in the light, John calls it. The fellowship I've had with him in the last 18 months is totally night and day different to the fellowship i would had before. And I encourage you, I encourage you, like, walk in your light. Walk in the light. Walk with your brokenness. Paul says, I, I resolve to boast in nothing but my weakness. I'd rather boast in my weakness. I'll boast in the cross, but I won't boast in myself. I'll boast in the cross, and then I'll boast in my brokenness. And those are the two things you'll hear me talking about, is the cross and how good it is, and me and how broken I am. And that that's the solution for me, and that's the solution for you. And that is his topic of conversation. That's, that's where he's going to go with that, because he doesn't want to create a sense of anything. Brett, a while ago, a couple of months back, talked about Instagram church, um, and I think that's one of those things where, you know, on Instagram, you've got the filters and you've got that. You can just make everything perfect. You can crop out the ugly bits. You can zoom in on the good bits. And if you, you, know, you want to present the perfect life, you can do it. I don't think there's anyone out there presenting their misery. Well, maybe there is. I don't follow those people. Um, there aren't many people presenting their misery on Instagram. Why? Because they don't get followers. They don't get likes. You know, So you can be in pain, but the drug that Instagram is, is the like. So you're still going to present something that someone will like so that you get that rush from seeing the thumbs come in. But actually, when you're with a friend, a real friend, and you talk about your brokenness, then you have true fellowship. Then you have something that is far better than all of that so it's, it's so super practical we've talked about food, sharing food we've talked about visiting sick people I mean, these, these are things anyone can do this doesn't require um, us to be even a leader in the life of the church you can offer someone water it says there I mean that's the water there's a machine there, it's even cold water, it's nice so like we were in a meeting the other day and, and someone <clears throat> got dry mouth and, and, um, and, and then someone gets up to fetch the water and I'm going that's on the list so that's good. That That's very practical, loving someone. Jesus said, you fetch that water for me. That probably wasn't on your mind. But you did. And he goes, that's amazing. Welcome into the joy of the Lord. And so that's the thing for us. Now, We know that time is money and therefore the value of our love is often measured in time. Having time for someone. That also means that every commitment you make to one person is cutting you off from another person. Because you only have so much time. So if you want to have all the friends in the world, you will end up with no friends. But to commit to someone, to give them time, to actually hand over... Your time, which is your collateral, that's, that's what you have to do life with. To hand your time to them and say, I value you that I'm going to give you this hour. I value you that I'm going to give you this time in my week. It's time I could have done anything with, but I'm giving it to you. That is the highest compliment we pay anyone. And, and that thing Carl spoke about at the beginning, and then the prophetic word came from Tina, used the same phrase. You're not um, an afterthought. Now, that was in terms of initially about, like, is our worship to God an afterthought? Carl was talking about, and then Tina brought that as the same phrase, but God's speaking to us saying, you're not an afterthought. And it's true, you're not an afterthought. But sometimes we do treat each other as afterthoughts, because our lives do get very busy, and they're very full. And so you won't remember everyone's birthday, I gave up trying a long time ago. I once, my Facebook started filling up with all these people and every day it was a list this long. And it's just like, you know what? I'm just never going to keep up with everyone's birthday. But there will be someone whose birthday you know and you sending a message on that day is going to change their life. They're going to feel very special. So remembering good anniversaries, but also remembering bad anniversaries. If there's someone in your life who's lost someone close to them, by next year, everyone will have forgotten. And that day rolls around. But if you remember, that's going to mean the world to them. And, and not saying, I remember today is the day that... But, but No, no, no. <laughs> Just thinking of you today, praying for God to console you and have you know, bring you peace, or whatever it is that God tells you to do in that moment. Or maybe not words, maybe yellow roses or chocolates or whatever. But these are the things we do that that show that we love. These are ways we connect with people. The Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We love to rejoice with those who rejoice. It is harder to weep with those who weep because it puts you through something that wasn't on your plate. Now it's on your plate because you love someone. Am I signing up to cry with someone? Yeah, when we say Jesus is Lord, we're signing up to cry with someone. And, and it could be there's someone in your community and they're going through a hard time. Cry with them. That's a good thing. Don't just tell them to be strong. Let them be weak. Let them fall apart and fall apart with them. And then together, allow God to put you back together. You know, we, we can love in all the good moments and if we don't love in the bad moments, maybe we didn't love at all. But if we can love in the bad times as well as the good times, then the love of God is alive in us and it's spreading. And Jesus said this thing, which was amazing. He said, by this, men will know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. And so for us, I know that at the end of time, when Jesus stands up and goes, him, 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 her, her, them, those two, those four, Who's he picking? The ones who are his disciples, the ones who had love for one another. Maybe this guy over here, loved real good, never prophesied. Jesus wants him. This guy prophesied real good, never loved. Don't know you. That's how Jesus picks. And so for us, our commitment to him, when we say you're Lord, the challenge then for us is, what does that look like? That looks like love one another. And so as we're coming into land It could be that you're saying, I thought I was a Christian, now turns out maybe I wasn't. (laughs) Fair enough, I understand that could be where you'd come from on something like this. Um, And like I say, don't want to make this a heavy, it's not that. It's just that these are the tweaks God wants to do. I think overall, a lot of people in this congregation feel very loved, and that's fantastic. But there'll be some who don't. Uh, Last week there was a prophetic word about loneliness and and some came forward and and said, oh, it was two weeks ago, and and said, yeah, I feel lonely. Um, and, And so there's always room to do this better. There's always room for us to step up more and to reach into each other's lives more and to take down those walls. You know, we live, many of us in suburbs where everyone's building walls physically and there's reasons. But in our lives, let us never be doing that. Let us always be breaking down the barriers between each other, reaching out in love, loving one another well. So it could be that you say, I thought I was a Christian, but maybe I was just doing Christian things. I love to prophesy. I love to dream and have visions. I love to you know, praise Jesus and worship Jesus, but actually being around people, I feel like it's a waste of time. And I know guys like that who call themselves Christians, but they feel like anything around people is kind of a waste of time. I want to challenge you today. Love someone. It'll be the best moment of worship you have ever had. And some of you say, I I love some people but not everyone. Well, there's grace for us. But let us never settle there. Let us never be content that I loved enough. There, There is no such thing as loving enough. Because what Jesus said is that you should love the way he did he literally gave his life. He literally died. That was the degree to which he loved. And so there is no limit on on what God might expect of us in terms of love. And, and that's a challenge and it's something we have to wrestle with. But it's also really good that um, it's almost like there's no limits to how much love we can show and how much love... We can share. And you might say, I'm here, I, I, I do love people. And actually a lot of what you said, I, I believe it already. and I'm living it. And, and I don't want anyone to go away feeling condemned because of this. Because maybe you are very much living this life and you are loving people well. And then more power to you. Just pray for more and more grace that you'd love even more. And even more people and with even more depth. That it wouldn't be that it's like, I love everyone this much. But rather love some this much. You know, because this is going to mean so much more in their life. And if we all loved everyone this much, I don't know if people would know we're his disciples. But if each of us loves some this much, then people will look at us and go, surely God is amongst them. There's something different about that community of people. And that's a challenge for us. So I'd love us to respond to Jesus in this moment. And um, this isn't one of those things where I can just like sort of, say a prayer and suddenly you'll love everyone. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. But what we can do is we can make a commitment to the Lord. We can say, I said you are my Lord and now I want to live this way for you. Now, it could be you're here this evening and, and Jesus isn't your Lord. You haven't given your life to him. And then I would love to offer that opportunity to you right now. That This Jesus who I've spoken about, who taught love in this way, There's only one way we can do this, and that is if we let him be the Lord of our lives. We can't do this on our own. We'll always fail. None of us is kind enough, good enough, patient enough to love the way that God needs us to or wants us to. But if we bring ourselves to him, we can do that. And that's a simple thing to do, that we acknowledge our lack. We acknowledge that we don't match up to his standards. Call it selfishness, call it sin, call it whatever you want to. There's ways that we don't match up to his standard. And we never can. But What the Bible tells us is that Jesus came to pay the price for our inadequacy, our sinfulness, the ways that we displease God. He said, don't take that out on them, put that on me. And Jesus carried that, and he died. We've just been through Easter. You probably know something about Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus died on the cross to carry our inadequacy, our failure, our selfishness, our desire to please only ourselves. And he said, what I want is for you to be free then to love God and to love one another. And so if you're here today and you say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, Maybe I've been doing Christian things, but I haven't actually made Him my Lord and my God. Then I'd love to offer an opportunity. I'd love us just to close our eyes so that no one's looking around. This isn't something that I want to embarrass anyone with. But if you say, "I want to make Jesus my Lord right now," I want to pray with you, and um, and we can do that right in this moment. So if there's anyone here, while everyone's got their eyes closed, just just raise a hand, just wave it a little bit so I can see that you're doing that. And then I'd love to pray with you and just um, create that moment for, um, for you to have the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? You say, that's me. I want to thank you. Any Anyone else? You say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to know him as my Lord. And I want to live a life of love for him. Okay, so for those of you who know Jesus already, love Him. Why don't you join me in this prayer? For the guys who just raised their hands, I saw two. There may be more of you. Then say this prayer with me as well, and let's say it together and thank God um, for the sacrifice of Jesus and for the love He showed us. Just say this after me. Say, Father God, Father God. I, thank I thank you for Your love for your that reaches far beyond reaches far any human love. Thank you, you died for me and took my sin and my inadequacy and that died with you. Thank you for your life that you give to me in exchange. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love and help me to live a life of love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. And I have some guys to come and chat to you guys and just fill you in with what the next step is. But it's always exciting to take the first step. Um, for the rest of us, I think you know this might be challenging. Like I say, I've been very challenged on this. And I'm definitely not... Uh, like Paul said, I, I do not claim to have attained this. Okay, I'm very much on a journey with this, trying to focus more on a person rather than all the people, you know, and, and who can I love well and deeply and and thoroughly. Um, and so it might be that you need to make a commitment as well. I encourage you in this moment, right now, no atmospheric music, no kind of la di da moment. Just blunt. Just do it. Like if you want to stand with me, I'm standing already. And say, I want to do this well. I want to love well. and I want to love deep. I want to go beyond the superficial. I want to walk in the light. Share my brokenness as well as my good things. Share what I have, but also share who I am. If you want to do that, if you want to commit to that, then let's stand together now. I'm going to pray for us. And ask that God does that and works that in us. Father God, I thank you for your spirit of work in each of us. There's your spirit that causes us to love in the way that we need to love, in that way that pleases you. Lord, I pray that we would be a congregation that people would look at and say, Jesus is with them. I see the love of God amongst them. I see them loving well and loving deeply. Lord, I pray you would help us to be those who don't just hit on the superficial, who don't play at Instagram church, who don't, who don't just hide behind the good parts, but we'd live broken before each other. We'd walk in the line we confess our sins. That we would, um, we would love deeply and love well. That we'd reach out to the broken. We'd reach out to the hurting. We'd be mindful of one another. And the Lord, your spirit would just break out amongst us as your pleasure is poured out on us because of the unity that you see between us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have an awesome week. We'll catch you. Next Sunday. Comes a Wednesday.